RadioInfluence.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Crampy Val and Beans. Why are you crampy, Val? Oh, I don't know. Just every once in a while when you start the day off with a nice cup of strong black coffee. Now you're gone. What the hell? Get rid of the VPN, Frank. Oh, okay. Let me turn it off. Has Wait, 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 wait. Okay, am I back? You're back. Now tell us again. Great. Why is it that now, you... now that I'm now that I'm completely unprotected on the internet? <laughs> Why is it um, that you're I'll, crampy to black coffee? Because black coffee that you start. Well, I, as you know, I don't uh, I don't eat until two p.m. That's when my my uh, fast is broken. So all I can have in the morning is water, black coffee, things like that. And uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's pretty effective turning your insides out. It's a cleanse. It's a colon cleanse. Have you ever had a coffee enema? You know what? It's crazy. You say that. I have not gotten the cojones to do it. I have never either, but I know that they exist. They do. My my functional health specialist tells me that I really need to do a coffee enema. And what that is, is you literally make it yourself with coffee and you do it and you sit there and you have to hold it in, Frank, mm. as the rules go. For as long I, as you can. The first time I heard about coffee enemas was uh, it was around the time that I was I was preparing to interview a man named Nick Gonzalez. He's a doctor. He died uh, tragically, uh, very young. Um, he was out of here, out of here in New York, and he started off in Western medicine. And he started, and he got, he started getting away from it all in treating cancer, and he went in a completely different direction with treating people, especially those who had pancreatic cancer. And I know that it is very controversial to say this, but he was having a lot of success in using different types of modalities and and uh, and nutrition and, and everything else. And that is where I started learning. I think he also used coffee enemas to be able to start passing things um, uh, and, and cleansing and, and, uh, and all that stuff from all of his his patients. So that's the first time I was like, whoa, is this as self-explanatory as, as it sounds? Is you yep. just, just douching yourself with coffee? And uh, pretty much. Yep. That's what I feel like now, only I'm drinking it. But um, mm-hmm. what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, I know that we don't want to take up too much personal time here, and we want to get into de- the information delivery part of, a, of the show. But um, I had a nightmare the other night, and it started off innocuous enough with a with an appearance by you and Viviana. Really? Yeah. Huh. So I was I was on air and you called in and you called in with a with a video a video stream and in the background of your studio set up at home it was like the walls were like almost lined with sequins. It was just glittery I, I know it was just glittery you had you had things that were framed that were sequins patterns and all that stuff and um I was like, wow, wow I, I didn't understand that. I didn't think that you had so much glittery sequins things on the wall and stuff like that. <laughs> then then, then Viv comes in and she starts expanding the tour of the studio and shows that you even have throw pillows that are completely sequins and everything <laughs> like that. And I made some inside the dream. I make this this uh, this quip about, wow, you guys are 
you guys are uh, fighting global warming over there. You could reflect all that sunlight and cool the earth down with all the sequins you have over there at the studio. And then um, you guys kind of make a, you know, abrupt dreamlike exit and the scene changes. And then I start getting into getting chased by demonically possessed people and being told to run by exorcists and things like that. Wow. Yeah. But you guys kicked it off. <laughs> it's crazy you say that because I've been having some bad dreams myself, Frank. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes two a night. Really weird. I, I was in the back of my car the other night. I opened up my the, the hatch on the car and it, I went to get something out of it. And there was something moving underneath whatever was in there. And I said, O-S-H-I-T, shit. And then the fear that came over me was just unexplainable, like real legit terror. Yeah. And I woke myself up because I can do that. Well, that's good. That's that's good that you can do that. Yeah, it was crazy. And then <laughs> my husband the other night shot up in bed and said, oh, my back. And I'm like, are you OK? I'm like, what's what's the matter? And he goes, I thought I fixed it and went back to sleep. I'm like, all right. Oh, OK. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, it happens. Uh, well, I guess you didn't work so hard when you were sleeping there. Well, you got to work a little harder. <laughs> I thought I fixed it. You know, the crazy thing is that you. I don't know. Um, obviously, he was having a dream, but there are plenty of ways that you can screw your back up in the middle of, of a sleep. I know that I know people who have torn uh, their meniscus in their in their knees just by being asleep and turning over and like dragging a leg behind them or something like it, it, it's in, it's incredible how how frail the human body is. It, it's it's something else. It, and you know what? I the crink in your neck that you could get, which has lasted me the past seven or eight days because I slept wrong one night and it just, it was like I couldn't move my head for the entire next day. Like, oh, crazy. Oh, I've just been delivered a box of Chucky Larms. <laughs> do you want to hear this story? Yeah, watch this. Okay. We were sitting at the table this morning and this will kind of thread into the other stuff and it was breakfast. And my son is a huge Lucky Charms fan and I used to eat cereal all the time when I was a kid. And so we were talking about it and then, my husband gets the big family size box for him, but it was unavailable. So they told him, hey, you want you want the bag family size instead. So he's like, sure. So there it was, a bag of Lucky Charm cereal. So it reminded me of in New York when I had to buy like the discount off-label cereal and it mm. always came in a bag. And Viviana said, yeah, and they had to name it other things because they were mocking, like they were copying the cereal, but they couldn't name it what it was. So she goes, yeah, we've got Chucky Larms for you. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. Well, listen, they'll go. They'll go that um, that bootleg with you sometimes. Why not? That, that, so I went in our extravaganza room, which, by the way, is um, August 26th through September 1st here in Myrtle Beach, everybody. And I asked for Adam, Adam, Adam Carter to make... Uh, a Lucky Charms meme that had actually Chucky Larms on it, but Barb took it instead, and here it is, Chucky Larms. I've got it right in front. Of me. Who, who's the who's the mascot of that? You got to get rid of the well, leprechaun. It's got to be some. I have Chucky on one of them. Okay. And then Squirrel gave me myself on the leprechaun's head body. Gotcha. Is it going to be a benevolent character, or is it going to be some kind of a bizarro land villain? I mean, Chucky Larms, dude. It's got to be a villain. Got to be. It sounds like it would be the person that the the Lucky Charms uh, leprechaun is going to have to fight somewhere. (laughs) 
It's one of those days I am like in that mood where I don't want to do anything. <laughs> we just... Anyway, yeah, I know. inflation, food shortages, bagged cereal. Off we go. <laughs> well, everybody's going to have to. They're, they're, I hope you have a lot of Chucky alarms uh, stored up somewhere, at least a couple of years worth, because all the things that we're being told is not happening, could happen. And then, of course, is only happening because of Putin. Uh, now it's just, oh, it's real and it's going to be bad. And, and it is true. It's It's not even starting right now. It hasn't even really started. So, so I, in your um, opinion, then, the fact that there's two things that kind of are interesting to me. There's the BlackRock dude who came out and said, we're, we're seeing the end of globalism. Did you see that? We're seeing, the, uh, we're seeing the result of globalism. Like he said, globalism is no more, basically. Uh, I don't know about that. Let me see. Well, let's see this. I don't know. Globalism is no more when the globalists are eliminated. And the globalists are taking us through this this end this end phase right now. It's part of their plan. It's just interesting that he's out there giving interviews about globalism being over, and people are going to have to look into how they fix their supply chains. And you know they're not going to be able to uh, they're not going to be able to continue with the production the way it is, dependent on countries all over the world. And you know what I mean. Oh yeah, the 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 days at least temporarily, and it's like I said, it's going to become a lot more, a lot more prevalent and in your face. But the days of being able to have kiwi all throughout the year is you're gonna everybody's gonna have to find a way to to eat a little bit more locally, a little bit more seasonally. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's just the real problem, of course, is how are the tens of millions of people who over the last couple of generations have been pulled away from uh, uh, rural and even moderate suburban life and stuffed into these beehive cities, what are they going to be doing? Because they are completely useless. I mean, I'm uh, compared to people who live out in the country, I'm completely useless. But Well, you can is... grow some tomatoes off the back of your house if you want oh, to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 can, I know how to do that. But remember, I mean, but we are talking about people who have been kept poor ignorant and dependent for a couple of generations now that are uh oh man that's yeah i mean heirloom seeds are going to be super important you know backyard gardens heirloom like it's i was talking about it's crazy that they're announcing yeah there'll be food shortages everybody hang in there biden said it yesterday He, he literally came out and said yep we're gonna have tons of food shortages just you know it's everyone don't worry Mm. so yeah. Globalism. See that that right there is not the end of globalism in my eyes. That's the that is a breakdown of healthy globalization. A globalized economy is not the same as globalism. This 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 internationalist view of the world that breaks down national and economic sovereignty of nation states and and all that. I'm just going to say this. If you were um quote presiding over a society where a good percentage of them are now anti-you completely. Too many to be able to dispose of without causing a massive ruckus. I mean, yesterday we saw Trudeau get called a tyrant. It was amazing. Which was beautiful. Especially from, especially from that based Croatia guy. That's the third time that based Croatia has been uh, has has really been taking it to to people. I mean, he, he called Macron a murderer right to his face. That was awesome the other month. I just, I just, I love when people have cojones. Here, let's just listen to this clip of Biden real quick. 
nothing more to report. With regard to food shortage, yes, we did talk about food shortages. And uh, and it's going to be real. The, The price of these sanctions is not just imposed upon Russia. It's imposed upon an awful lot of countries as well, including European countries and our country as well. So here's what I think. And this is I put this in Telegram the other day and I'm I'm crazy conspiratorial beans is here. Let's put on our tinfoil, shall we? Yes. Okay. I think, Frank, that none of the people that announced they have COVID actually have it. Me too. Oh, you don't think they do either? Oh, you like like Hillary Clinton and all them? Yeah. I don't think Schwab and Clinton and Saki or any of them have it. I think that's their way of telegraphing to whoever without using any other comms that they've been together. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that any of them actually took the shots, but uh, I, it could just be, it could be a number of things. There's no way it, that Jen Psaki has COVID again after less than five weeks. Just not possible. Yeah. I don't know what the hell it is. I think there's just so much, there, there's so many things that are being done right now that are just purely for display purposes. Like I, I do not know. I have been spending a lot of time on on the prophecy side of things because that's just where I feel uh, most cozy. For example, the trepidation about today and what the uh, what the Pope is going to do with uh, this this consecration of Russia and Ukraine. Pretty much, I, I don't know. I, ultimately, I, I don't know. I think that there's so many things that are going on right now that are just very public contributions to the overall war effort. And I'm not even talking about just Ukraine anymore, because Ukraine, Russia, and all the sanctions and all the, the, the saber rattling and the and the, the threat of World War Four or Five, whatever the hell we're on right now, that is just a, a, a section of the war. Of course, that's bringing in certain aspects of the Great Reset on a financial end and, and other things to reconfigure the world. And, uh, and and take away what was used to be the, the independence of the West and Western culture. But there's other things going on here, too, like the spiritual end of things, what the Pope is doing and, and, and Jen Psaki and, and, uh, and, and Hillary and this whole thing that you, know, you can't forget that even though we're moving away from prioritizing COVID as the number one story everywhere, it, it should always be in everybody's mind that there is a blanket, this like flea-ridden blanket that has been wrapped around the shoulders of the world that is COVID and the vaccines that have been injected into over a billion people. And these little public displays, they all contribute to the overall war effort here. And I I think that, you know, maybe they can be just largely empty contributions to the propaganda uh, on the Pope's end of things, maybe just using Fatima as a way to drum up the importance of the this consecration against you know to to bring Russia and Ukraine to the fore or all these sick politicians now with their mild symptoms what does that do what are they seeding in the public consciousness everything is a public play for something agree so it's just you know yeah no I agree everything out there is a public play for something and um maybe. Because I wanted to get into the Trump lawsuit today for a little while, but maybe before that, because it's a topic that has sparked my interest quite a bit as well. And I've been looking into, but unable to like every time I've asked a question about it, people have shot back at me asking me if I've repented for my sins and whether or not I know where I'm going when I die. And and like I didn't ask for um, 
like when I ask the question, can somebody please tell me some of the historical um, and and geopolitical reasons for this consecration? Um, I got you know lessons on why I'm not a good Catholic, and I I don't. That's not what I asked for. So maybe you can help me because because. Well, I, like- I, I, I don't I don't I don't try to venture into in I, I usually bring on guests to talk about one thing or another. And, and of course, when you get into Catholicism, you, you get a whole another group of people attacking you. And um, everybody everybody has very, um, I don't know, strong feelings about being right in one way or another. It's not, I guess it's not enough to just ex- accept uh, accept that uh, redemption comes through Christ alone and there there always has to be some kind of purity spiral that people go into and it's never just enough to I don't, I don't ever know. talk about my relationship with God in a public way because guess what it's none of anybody's business okay yeah and and, and that's the other thing it's it's too much responsibility for somebody to shoulder I am not qualified and I I have I am too I don't know I I, I first of all I wear my 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 flaws on my on the sleeve on my sleeve. I wouldn't expect anybody to come to me for theological uh, you know counseling when I I talk the way I do and everything else. And it's just we're, we're all on a journey here. And I think that it's just becoming more and more evident that there is a a gigantic spiritual aspect of the world war that we're in. It's full spectrum dominance. It's it's air, land, sea, space, and the ethereal realm, and I, I don't know. I, uh, I I don't know why anybody trusts that they have all the answers. But there's there are plays being made, and it's I well, think it's you, okay to. Can you can you give me some of the things that you've learned, or or some of the perspectives you've gotten from folks that as you've gone on this journey? Like what? Like uh, as to what? Like as to as to what the Pope is doing and and bringing oh, Ukraine okay. into the consecration, and you know, well, all, all of it. Okay, well, in 1917, and I, I have become more and more interested in, in this, it was a, a widely known, and especially in, in the Catholic world, it's, it's not dogma, but it's part of our tradition now because it's been widely uh, accepted as a, a real Marian apparition that, that has great significance in, in the faith. And that is, of course, I think June or it was the summer of 1917, where the Blessed Virgin appeared before three poor children in Portugal, uh, chief among them Sister Lucy, who just who died just after died maybe just about 10, 15 years ago or so I forget, and uh, and over a series of, of visions, were given instructions for how to prepare the world for the coming of her son and and trip to prepare and to avoid tribulations in the in the future, remember, in, for, for Catholics, Mary is not divine. There is she's not a goddess figure. It, but you know, we have saints, and and we believe that you know it's it's good to look up to role models of people who have overcome uh, whatever the hell to to attain a certain level of grace and and on all that. And of course, chief among them in the Holy Family is is Mary. So this is very important, and for us at least. And in there's three secrets that were given to these children in 1917 and uh, it also it precipitated a a widely witnessed miracle of the sun and one of the uh, the second secret is all about the consecration of Russia how 
Russia, and, and the children didn't even know what Russia was. When they were getting this message from Mary, they thought when she said that Russia needed to be consecrated to be able to save herself from her sins or else her sins were going to spread around the world. This was, of course, a couple of months before the Bolshevik Revolution and then, you know, 70 or 80 years of atheistic communism uh, that, that was, you know, running throughout the uh, that part of the, the planet. But they thought that when she was talking about Russia, she, they thought that she was talking about a, a naughty woman, you know, a woman who had, you know, misbehaved in some way that was significant. So they didn't even know that they were talking about a nation. And the consecration of Russia to be able to save her from her sins and prevent the world from falling into that darkness, I guess you can say, um, did not did not happen uh, because and she said that there would be a larger world war that would be following because in 1917, we're just we're just wrapping up World War One. So there was a second world war. Communism did spread throughout the world. Of course, we can talk a little bit more about the true origins of communism, how it, who who created it and how it was spread and why it was seeded in Russia. But um, since then, there has been six attempts to consecrate Russia uh, under the mantle of the Blessed Virgin that have fallen short for some reason, that nobody can just follow the Lego instructions and do it. So it's always it's very weird. So isn't so, it like isn't it like you have to have all the bishops and everybody has to do it at the same time and all the bishops everybody at the same time uh, it's a few there's certain words that need to be that need to be uh, uh, spoken and in the last time this was attempted I believe was 38 years ago today which is it's going to be attempted today around 5 p.m. I believe or maybe local time I don't know um, 38 year ago, years ago today by John Paul II in a consecration attempt that people like the the Vatican's chief exorcist for a long time, chief exorcist Gabriel Amorth, he was there to witness and say that right around the time, right before the words were spoken and the um, the ceremony was, uh, was conducted, a group of modernist priests, which of course is the, the biggest problem with, with uh, the Vatican, the infiltration and the, the destruction from within starting years ago, but modernist priests, for one reason or another, told them you cannot say this, you cannot do this. Now, the the one one mainstream reason why he did not, because right after that, instead of consecrating Russia, he consecrated the peoples of the world. Mm. So changed the language, went off course a little bit there. And uh, at the time, they said, that well, this was because the Cold War tensions, they did not want to escalate Cold War tensions anymore. Well, here we are again. But we're on the flip side of things. I really do believe that NATO is the new Soviet Union. And we are on this precipitous falling away from grace, whereas Russia as a society, I'm not talking about Putin. I'm not talking about getting into the, the getting into the weeds on on how the, this conflict in, in Ukraine is being framed right now. But Russia as a society is one that is having an Orthodox Christian uh, revival. Slowly but surely, they're crawling their, their way out of out of a hundred years of darkness there, and so I, I never understand. I, I don't understand at, at uh, first glance why this pope, who is completely aligned himself with New World Order, UN Agenda 21, 2030 thinking, yep. is completely in line with the World Economic Forum. As of a couple of uh, two weeks ago, he just um, they, he just forced a 
a bishop in, in Puerto Rico to resign his post because he was not going along with all the vaccination edicts to medically segregate his congregation. A couple of days ago, he's talking about once again in, uh, expanding women's role inside the church, which I mean, this is all woke nonsense. So in the middle of all that, I'm supposed to we're all supposed to believe that this announcement about a wartime consecration of Russia and Ukraine. And now he added to it all of the peoples of the world again is happening on the 38th uh, on the uh, the 38th uh, anniversary of, of John Paul II's attempt. And it was announced. This is just just goes a long way for making me dubious about this. It was announced on the Ides of March, which is a, a universal day for deceit. You know, so 10 <laughs> days ago, you know, it, it's just like it, it, this, yeah. that, that, that is the day for backstabbing, literally. And I don't know. So these tools, they're being used. They're being dusted off and used. It is a it is a uh, you know, it is a, a, a battle that's being waged on every possible platform, both seen and unseen. And I, uh, I think it's significant regardless of what you believe. I think it's significant. Yeah, like, you know, for, I, I'm more interested in it right now because I don't I don't trust this pope. I don't trust anything about the church right now at all. And I think that's the majority of Catholics around the world for the most yeah. part. Um, it's got other implications that are symbolic in nature. And again, if you guys think that this isn't a spiritual war that we're fighting on this planet right now, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, obviously, it's even if you're an atheist. People that are involved in this don't believe the same way as you do and believe they're fighting a spiritual war. Right. So yeah. what does it mean? Like, what does it mean? It's so spooky and weird and like movie esque. And what does it actually mean? He can't be doing it in a pure way. What are they actually doing? Like, what ceremony are they actually doing? I don't know. I don't know. But it's uh, it, it, it makes I, I'll, I'll obviously be watching. I'll obviously be be tracking it. So you just I just just uh, never know. Everybody has something going on. I'm just curious, like what happens if everybody doesn't follow instructions? Like what did um, then, it, then it's just I don't know. Like I said, it, it, it goes under the same category as why is it that Jen Psaki and Hillary Clinton and everybody else has COVID again? What is the reason for seating the pub public with the these messages? What what is it? I it's it could just be used for who knows. I I don't know. It's concerning. She brushed off the Clinton Global Initiative again, so you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, hey you know this this once once again the um you're talking about this uh, Trump Russia. Oh, by and by the way, the other reason why I like I like to I've been studying about Fatima. Uh, for a little bit more these the last couple of years is because this is also a generational blessing that I uh, that I, I get through this because my great grandfather was there the miracle of the sun he was there he was uh, he was there as a member of the the navy in 1917 oh. so he was there and that's something apparently if you were I would have been told if you're there for it that's something that's passed down through generations oh so you're so, like blessed now like. I, I get some kind of uh, I get some kind of a uh, a credit balance of of sanctity. I I don't know I don't know how much it's helped me, but maybe I can redeem that token when I'm on the other side. Say, oh, 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 by the way, my my grandfather, my great grandfather, he was he was there in Portugal, so 
does this get a, at least 500 years off my purgatory sentence? Can oh, I Frank. can I negotiate a thousand years off my purgatory? I don't know. But um, okay, so you said you said you wanted to bring up that the other thing, the Trump lawsuit. Yeah, because I think this goes hand in hand with it. I believe I believe that he has to at this point. Why did Hillary Clinton dust off the the global initiative? Why is there a huge RICO lawsuit now with 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 Clinton and the DNC and everything? Well, it's obvious that New York Department of Justice and elsewhere they have been given the task of doing nothing but going after Trump and trying to find cobble together some kind of a felony that's going to stick so that he can't run in 2024. On the other hand, it's obvious that Hillary is going to have some kind of a significant role in whatever 2024 is going to mean for what's left of this country. So I think that this is almost like a, uh, a, a he, he has to do something to try to neutralize this, maybe create a stalemate, maybe create a, a backing down from either side. Because if he doesn't, they're just going to they're just going to destroy him legally. So I um, th- first of all, the whole thing with his with his loss with the, this criminal stuff in New York, it's just not passing muster. They, they can't do it like okay. they've been. Tra- they dropped. They basically dropped the case. They dropped the case. Um, that's a man that's protected by God. I'm just saying. I mean, with all of these evil people after him and, and no real prosper on his person, honestly. Mm. I mean, I'd argue he's stronger um, now in some ways than he ever has been before as the president of the United States because he has such an army of people behind him if he stops making bad endorsements. Um, but the this lawsuit that he filed, did you read it? Probably no. not. It's a hundred and something pages. It's a RICO lawsuit. And it is basic, it's, it's against basically everyone. Struck Page, McCabe, Comey, Danchenko, Dolan, uh, Clinton, obviously, um, the DNC, Mark Elias or Elias, um, Sussman. It's against everybody, everybody. Mm. And we learned a few things in there that we didn't know, not many. But what it is, what is so stunning about this, because typically civil RICO lawsuits are like DOA. They're like, yeah, OK, whatever. And they, but it's filed in Florida. They're obviously going to change try to change venue and put a motion to dismiss up on the table. That's clear. But the problem they're going to have, Frank, is that like legitimately every factual point in this lawsuit is backed up by a U.S. government document. Like the footnotes, the sourcing is all from IG investigations, testimony in front of Congress, um, you know, reports that have been released by the government, um, things that the FISA court has said. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's it's not it's not like, oh, and we know that, you know, Sussman did this because, well, we know that Sussman did this because he's indicted and this is what he's indicted for. And here's the statement of facts for it. Like if you wanted a a cliff notes on Spygate, you would read this lawsuit. And they even went into some of the defamation lawsuits that went on overseas with with um, Orbis, Christopher Steele and some of the. um you know, the banks and stuff that were involved in being slandered by him. And we learned that actually we wondered, like, where did Danchenko get his information for the dossier? Like, where did that freaking come from? Did he just make it up off the top of his head? Like, what did he do? Well, if you read this lawsuit, you find out that Clinton bagman, for lack of a better word, Dolan, 
was the one who was giving Danchenko the information to put in the dossier. Hmm. So there were two different like angles of this. There was like the media FBI side. Then there was the CIA side. And this lawsuit kind of parallels them next to one another. While, while Sussman was working the intelligence community, um, Elias or Elias, whatever you want to call him, was working the um, FBI and the media all under the guise of being attorneys for the DNC, which was largely at that point in time, the Hillary Clinton campaign because of the agreements that they came to for the, that control. Remember that the Clinton campaign asked for um, basically total control over the DNC once she was nominated. Yes. Yes. Because they, they had no money. Right. Right. None. So, so, yeah, it was it was something to read. I was very excited seeing it. If for nothing else, like a lot of people, um, we were having a little chat and like Adam said, you know, this actually shields him from defamation if he wants to go out and talk about this stuff because it's in a lawsuit which I thought was interesting. So what do you think? uh, What do you think? I mean, he's suing for money. And you know what? To be honest, he deserves every damn penny. Indeed. Like, really? I think it's something like $75 million that the lawsuit is at right now, but it'll probably go up. Because they've, they've, like, literally cost him however much in legal fees over all of the stuff that he's had to deal with. And then the reputational harm and the money it's cost him elsewhere... I mean, nobody should have to deal with that. It's it's ridiculous. So, you know, like the Comey stuff that they they talked about with the memos and how he knew that Sussman was in charge of and Dolan were getting the stuff for the dossier. And he knew that when the dossier came out and he knew that the salacious um, stuff in there wasn't true. And he told the president about it, leaked it to the media and knew the whole time that it was nonsense. And they proved that out with sourcing. How, how do you how does a judge say, oh, no, this is hogwash? This is fraudulent. This is a frivolous lawsuit. This can't stand. I mean, you can't. It's government. It's government documents that prove it. It's the it's I mean, I don't know. I know. And and this doesn't even get into the all of the supporting plots in the media. Like, you know, what was going on with uh, Andy McCabe and the leaks, the, the, the Wall Street Journal. And I mean, everything that needed to happen outside of this to legitimize the the obvious fraud too. I mean, there's so many side plots and crimes. Yeah, there are so many side plots and crimes. And there are also, you know, there are 10 John Doe's listed on this lawsuit and there are 10 ABC companies listed on this lawsuit that they don't know the names of in quotes, but Mm. like they legit accuse, um, what's his name of hacking, hacking their servers, not just this little, Oh, let's see what we can find on these DNS servers to back engineer a talk between Trump and Russia. And then they like line up the tweets when they happen with it. It's a really, really great. It's a really great thing. And it comes on the heels of what we talked about on Wednesday, which was Project Veritas and this Steve Bannon story. Did you hear this story that I I put out? Say no. It's fine. I just want to tell you it's crazy. No. Okay. Steve Bannon is in the contempt hearing, right? Yeah. His lawyer, basically the government decided they were going to go to a grand jury and get subpoenas for his attorneys communications, emails, text messages, all kinds of other stuff, right? Toll calls from from landlines at his office. So the attorney was like, what in the ever-living hell is going on here? This is attorney-client privilege. What the hell are you doing? How could you do this? 
So in discovery, they end up getting back some of that information that the, the government had retrieved. And it turns out that the government literally didn't even know his email addresses and just willy nilly randomly picked email addresses. And the email addresses that they picked happened to belong to another man named Robert Costello that has absolutely zero to do with any of this. Is he is he in like government or is no. he just a guy who he owns like an ice cream shop in Florida? He's some random guy who happens to be named Robert Costello and used his name to create a Gmail account. Oh, interesting. So the government just went out and said, we need subpoena for all of these addresses. Rob Costello one, Robert Costello, Rob Costello, Rob, you know, just all these different versions of Robert Costello because they didn't know what Robert Costello, the lawyer's actual email address was. So rather than figuring that out, they decided they were just going to throw some together and take whatever they could get. And what they got back was not Robert Costello, the attorney. It was Robert Costello, the 70 year old guy who lives in Bumblehoo, wherever. And all of his information, his financial stuff, his I mean, everything. <laughs> and then they provided it to the the attorneys in discovery in in Brady material, for lack of a better word. And then the attorney writes a motion saying, holy living. Oh, my God. Do you guys realize what you've done? Judge, look what they did here. This is absolutely disgusting and evil. And then the DOJ has the balls to say back to. The defense attorney, how dare you expose this man's private information and talk about him in a in a court filing? I, it's all, they they don't even care. No, don't even care. Not one iota. And and I'm telling you, I thought that I could never be shocked again ever in the history of time. But when I was reading all these court filings, my mouth was hanging open at the brazen disregard for any rule of law at all about anything like oh oh, oh well like if we know about this imagine what we don't know oh there's so much we don't it (laughs) boggles the mind and then project veritas even with a judge and a filter team in place they continue Microsoft finally says, you know what? F this noise. I'm not going to continue letting the subpoena stand without me being able to tell our clients that they've been subpoenaed. And it's outside of the scope of the things that are actually like Microsoft was like, I'm going to sue you government so that we can tell our client that you have done this. And finally, the government was like, ah, whatever. We can't take it here. You want to listen to the clip of James O'Keefe? Yeah, please. This is this is something else. Hold on. Let me find it. Here. here to explain project veritas founder ceo james o'keefe i made a mistake saying it was your home and office i apologize for that um but tell us what happened and what you have now discovered this is a big deal i'm just gonna say hannity's done he's so done i think he's finished i think he's gonna retire just i give it maybe another year why do you say that he's just he's he's devoid of any energy or uh passion he doesn't have. Well, I don't. I don't think that there's any. I don't. I just have not found his show to be. I, I just stripping away all personal opinions. I just have not found his show to be useful in any way, shape, or form for years. It, it's well, no, it's not. I mean, it used to be a little bit useful to get some of the, you know, uh, Hemingway, Sarah Carter, John Solomon, Spygate reporting out there. 
because it was get to the masses that way and they didn't mm-hmm. see what we were doing on Twitter. So then it was useful. But now, I, you know, he's just basically a Lindsey Graham light. Right. So here, well, let's listen to James, who he consistently interrupts and cut off. But Sean, this is probably the biggest abridgment of the First Amendment in the history of this country. My lawyer, Paul Kelly, and I argue in court yesterday that this was an act of violence against the First Amendment. This is about Ashley Biden's diary. I thought we didn't corroborate it. That was hers. It turns out we're better journalists than we thought we were because the feds and the New York Times have now verified that this actually was Ashley Biden's diary that a tipster sent us. First, they raided our homes and took our equipment, our reporters' notebooks. And then, now it turns out, I found out this week, that they were spying on us. The Department of Justice was spying on journalists and Project Veritas going back eight months before we even knew anything about this diary and spying on us and getting secret gag orders against Microsoft from telling us that it took all of our emails. Sean, this is insane. This should shock everyone because they could do it to you. Let me let me make sure I point out some other facts in this case. Uh, somebody came to you with the diary. Somebody told you it was the what Ashley Biden's diary. You had to independently corroborate it. You weren't able to do so. You on your own without being asked, I understand it, went to law enforcement and handed it to them. Did you not? That's right. We turned it into Delray police in Florida. Tipsters contacted and you, and us. And you never printed any ethical. of the contents, correct? I never published the diary. I made the decision not to. I, I couldn't. I thought I couldn't verify with 100% certainty it was hers. And even if I could, I just felt like it was a cheap shot. And I told my staff that. Some disagreed. But now it turns out the diary is authentic. The New York Times corroborated it. Obviously, it's real now. But moreover, Sean... Microsoft, someone at Microsoft contacted us this week and showed us these secret warrants. The Department of Justice went to magistrate judges and got all these secret warrants and got all of our emails. We use Microsoft Outlook, got all of our emails back to January 2020, eight months before we even heard about the diary. And then after Sean, the federal judge appointed special master of filter team just a few months ago in December, after my home was raided, the federal judge cited journalistic privilege. Well, a month after that, the feds went behind that federal judge's back and continued to try to gag Microsoft through secret orders. Microsoft filed a motion. They never sent it out, but I have a copy of it because they sent it to me. And as soon as they they wrote that, the feds backed down and we just published all the secret warrants yesterday. So. (laughs) First of all, a complete tangent of this is. Reading everything, looking at everything out there right now, I don't think Biden's sticking around for very much longer. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. I, I, it's making me making me uh, feel like, I guess, a little bit more of you know the fall of twenty twenty, October, November was really just about hey, listen, w- win later, and we'll, we'll we'll win now at all costs, and we'll just deal with the fallout afterwards because at least if we control the office, then we control whoever has to slip in. But then again, why? Why jump in with him? Why jump in with him in the first place? There was probably better people uh, running against him during a primary. I think that they thought that they could keep all of this contained by jumping in with him. But clearly now that's not going to happen. No, not at all. So 
now we've got reports out today that there is actually a connection between Hunter Biden and these bio labs in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And it's all going to start to snowball. And I think that we're going to see Biden say, oh, I'm going to step down that the, you know, the job is too stressful for me. And, you know, we're in a tough spot. And I think we need to give this to more capable people. Certainly not Kamala Harris. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. Who, Who the hell is it? Because uh, you you only pick a vice president based on their ability to be able to step in if you cannot no function. Biologists picked her, right? Right, qualified biologists. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what's we have a pedophile sympathizer sitting in confirmation hearings to be a Supreme Court justice, and. The Democrats are saying it's QAnon conspiracy theory. I know. Well, I yeah. Well, that's another thing. You know, I, this Jack Maxey guy. Yeah. He said that there was going to be uh, drops on the the laptop, the, the the Hunter laptop this week. So I don't know. Look, I don't know what's going on there. I'm just saying this. I'm I'm thinking about everything now from like a 30,000 foot view again with my speculative conspiracy theory hat on. And I'm looking down and I'm seeing Hunter Biden leave a laptop full. I said this at the time, too, but full of ridiculously incriminating information randomly sitting at some repair shop in Delaware. Right. We have the other daughter randomly leaving her diary at some house that she stayed at with all kinds of crazy stuff written in it. And it's like, if you wanted to set up your dad, that's how you do it. Like, you just, I mean, it's almost like out of a book. Maybe, maybe it was just a moment of crack-fueled irrationality. Maybe, I mean, that's absolutely possible. Yes. It just been a, could have been a fleeting moment that you can't take back, or, or it could just be, Crack-fueled irresponsibility. How many times did the guy reach out to him for him to come get the damn thing? Yeah. (laughs) Like. I know. I mean, my dad's running for president. I should probably leave this laptop at this random repair repair shop with all of these absolutely abhorrent things on it. I mean, I don't know. It's like he's Scott Evil. I know. (laughs) I know. Just, uh, hey. And Bo was the real, the, you know, the mini-me. Well, what I've what I've seen on that, what what little has gotten attention on on like 4chan and and whatever, and and of course what this Jack Maxey guy has said on his Getter and other places about how he's he's very uncomfortable. He he would be uncomfortable to even describe some of the things that are on there. To see these uh, some of these text messages, if they are in fact real, which I, I at this point there's no reason to believe that they aren't. Um, to at least assume or give them some some credit that they may be at least as a as a starting point uh, to see these these messages between he and his sister in law and to see how he has turned this his brother's wife into a junkie herself and and that and these um, the messages about him telling her uh, he has no problem with her talking to his therapist, but he wants to be there because the last time she spoke to his therapist, he told uh, she told the therapist that that Hunter was in a, uh, sexually inappropriate with his niece. Yeah. You're talking about a 15-year-old niece. Uh, I don't know. It, it's 
We're talking Listen. the national security stuff. <laughs> is oh my god! It's just a it's it's a it's a tra- it's a travesty. It's a travesty. Yeah. And then you know the thing for me is that look at how the left and this is and evil people not only just on the left have successfully politicized pedophilia to the point where if you even talk about it, you're considered a right wing conspiracy theorist lunatic in any in any way, shape, or form. Like they've made it so that the left feels bad about fighting for our kids. Oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. You're crazy. Yeah, so- meanwhile, meanwhile, they get upset when uh when when people pass bills to to stop sexualizing children in school. Th- this whole thing, I mean I can probably guarantee you at this point that none of the people, none of the people who are in Florida at Disney World right now working have even read what that legislation says. No, none not of them. at all. I, not at all. I have I, I, I was sitting talking to my daughter's friend and she's like, I don't think that um, schools should be teaching kids about this stuff. She's 16. She's like, you know. I think that this is best left to parents to talk about with their kids. And I think that parents and kids should have an open relationship enough to talk about this stuff and that teachers shouldn't be telling kindergartners about this stuff. Yeah, because it's not even about birds and the bees, which is too, too, too young. And of course, we know uh, the people who are in control of this are are trying to create generations of uh, of of confused children. I mean, I mean. Becoming an adult and getting into relationships with other adults is confusing enough as it is, and that they're they're using education to impart gender confusion on the kids to teach them how to pleasure themselves and others with fruit. Yeah, I mean, there's this is that's just not. Uh, and all there's of nothing. these teachers, Frank. All of the if you would just go to libs of TikTok and look at all of these teachers who are standing there in front of their classes, making their students call them mix. Because they can't figure out what, what kind of genitalia they have between their legs. And the fact that a Supreme Court justice can't even answer the very basic question, what is a woman? Define it for me. It, it, it's, this is just insanity. It is. Women have been completely like, again, we, the left has created victim classes to the point where these, these ultra-feminist women who fought for years to be, you know, have feminism and Me Too and all this come to the forefront are now being ostracized by their own, quote, own community because they don't want to give up the value of womanhood to some confused man or predator who just decided one day that they want to be able to be number one in swimming. So they're going to transition to female while still keeping the job simple. Still yes. keeping their junk and, and waving it around in front of women in locker rooms. I, I don't. Seems to be that simple these days. I'm excited because if I ever do decide to run for office, the left is going to go back through all of these podcasts and try and find stuff to get to, to. And I'm going to I'm going to be like, yeah, I said that. Damn right. I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's not there's no point if they're if they're out with it. We got to be out with it, too. And And they're trying to create this paradigm in which speaking very plain truth is offensive. And and at that in that respect, and I, well, I said when we were when I was when I was covering this Leah Thomas thing over over the past couple of days, or when I did it on on Wednesday evening, uh, it, it, the, the the most frustrating part for me is that I don't want to be I I don't want to have to 
be put in a position where we need to we need to get out there and sternly reaffirm the lines between male and female every night and to 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 100 percent state in, in in what can be seen as a mocking taunting kind of a way they're making us have to become confrontational with people that i have no desire to to cause any distress obviously someone who is in this kind of a identity crisis does not uh, does not deserve to be mocked they need to be helped but they they are they're creating the system there is a system standing behind people like Leah Thomas that that uh, creates creates and um, and enables this kind of thing so that anybody who goes out there and tries to redraw the line in the sand of reality is seen as a bigot and and that I, I, okay you want to play that game then we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to play that game the craziest thing is that like this photojournalist snapped a picture of Leah Thomas or whatever and the the news airbrushed it to make it look more feminine and the photojournalist lost their shit because that's not supposed to happen they're not supposed to do that to pictures that are taken by photojournalists it's not it's like completely frowned upon but they can't take that i mean why do you have to lie to us or people why do you have to lie like why do you have to massage reality to make it more it looks like a man just let it be your whole point is that these people don't have to look like women to be able to be women, and then you're making it look like more of a woman. Insane. I think we're done. Okay. <laughs> you have been listening to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with... Not so crampy anymore, Val. Woo-hoo. And... Beans! You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Monday's coming. Later. On this week's episode of Crush Performance, it's episode number four, covering our 2022 theme of organizational and team performance. This week, we talk with performance coach Phil Toll, who's accredited as being one of the key factors in keeping the band Metallica together. We'll talk to Phil about his time with Metallica and some of the strategies that he used to get the band communicating, to bring them back together and to launch them to where they are today. Strategies that Phil uses with his business clients, his sport clients, and that we can use as well. Get set for a glimpse into the world of high-performance team building on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.